0: Four hundred years, no word from God. Temple worship went on, sacrificial system continued, all the special days were religiously observed a form of godliness no power until we read in the gospel of john there was a man sent from god whose name was john not john the apostle but john The baptizer, John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Read the last few verses in Malachi, you see how hypocritical, empty, godless, vain, all the worship of Israel had become. No authentic voice that represented the true and living God until John the Baptist. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he preached with clarity, insight, no respecter of persons. Herod was king. Herod had stolen his brother Philip's wife. Her name was Herodias. John the Baptist looked at the king right square in the eye and said, You are guilty of adultery. Prophet prophet is not only someone who predicts, a prophet primarily in the Bible is someone who tells forth, and he spoke the truth to the highest-ranking person in the land. You are an adulterer. Herod put him in prison, a prison in the backside of nowhere, down by the Jordan River, hot, barren, if you've ever been there, empty, void of life, you would think, and there John, the great prophet, through a period of time, I'm sure, began to be delirious and wondering and somewhat confused. Two of his followers came to him, and John said, when you heard about Jesus, And what he was doing and what was going on, he said, go and ask my cousin Jesus if he is the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the promised one. Now, you would think that certainly John knew this, he'd been a part of all of it, but yet I can tell you something, alone in a prison, hot, forgotten All kind of things happened, so he said, go ask Jesus if he is Emmanuel, God with us. And the two messengers left John in his prison and went to Jesus and asked him, are you the one? And Jesus said, go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. He said, the deaf are hearing The lame are walking, the blind have their sight restored, and the dead are being brought back to life, and good news is being proclaimed to the poor. You go back and tell John, that's what I'm doing, that's what's going on. What was he saying? He wanted to remind John that Jesus was fulfilling exactly the prophecy that predicted about the coming of Messiah. And then in that prison, we have a strange situation. Herod was afraid of John, the king, But then Herod had a large party, gathering of the people, the dignitaries, celebration, and he asked his stepdaughter, Salome, to dance. And Salome, the the daughter of his adulterous wife, Herodias, danced a dance that was so sensual. It excited Herod so much, he said, I'll give to that girl anything she wants, up to half of the kingdom." And the little girl went and asked her mother, Herodias, what should I ask for? And that vindictive woman said, go ask for the head of John the Baptist. He was beheaded. His head was brought to the king on a platter. Courageous, his courage, cost a price. Incidentally, parenthetically, this is the first Baptist who lost his head over dancing. (laughs) You have in a scripture here that after this happened, John was still alive, but Jesus turned to a large crowd and he said, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? Talking about John the Baptist. Did you go out in the wilderness? By the way, they think over 300,000 went out to hear him, way out in the boondocks. Did you see a man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in the king's palaces. But he said, but what did you see? He's talking to the crowd, Jesus. A prophet? Yes. I'll tell you, one who is more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11, truly I say to you, said Jesus, Among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist." Did you get that? Jesus said, man or woman, nobody's ever walked this planet who was greater than John the Baptist. How how did he get to this lofty position? Oh, he was a disciplined person. He went out in the wilderness, out in the no-man's land. If you've ever been around the Jordan River, down in that part where Jesus was baptized, my goodness, it's just rocks and rocks and rocks and rocks and rocks. If it is void, you wouldn't think anything could live there. Nothing. Nothing. That's where John the Baptist goes. He's dressed up in camel's hair, the Bible tells us. He eats locusts. And honey, (laughs) gluten-free, and uh, he's an austere guy, you know, just pale, desserts he would sometimes go catch a grasshopper. What kind of life is that? Alone, aloof. Let me tell you what kind of life it is. He got away from the face of human beings so he could go and spend his time with the face of God. Our problem is we spend so much time with noise and clatter and racket and something's got to be going on. We got to be with somebody. I don't want to be by myself. We spend so much time in the face of man, we don't have time for the face of God. John the Baptist was disciplined away from everybody, aloof, otherworldly, mystical, prophet, prophet, disciplined. His very appearance was a sermon. You know, he would walk out. He was real. He didn't care about money or fame or power. Everybody knew that. He didn't care about everything most people cared about. He cared only about being God's man. See, the discipline that he had in his life, discipline, discipline, and then he was humble. We see that all the way through. How can you be so strong and prophetic and yet be humble? But he really was. When they were, they went to him and said, are you the Messiah? He said, no. Said, who are you? He said, I'm just a voice. I'm a voice crying with all the other voices and wrecking the world. He said, I'm preparing the way for the Lord. This was the prophecy of Isaiah, coming before the coming of Jesus Christ. And John says, I have come to make the crooked road straight, I've come to take the mountain and flatten it out. I've come to take the valley and to fill it up. I am preparing a runway for the coming of the Son of God. He was going ahead. He was a voice of preparation. Discipline. Discipline. Also, what made him great was timing. You see... Most of you were not there for the Battle of the Bulge. You may have been a hero and won the Congressional Medal of Honor, but you weren't there. The timing wasn't right. So, there's a sense of timing for this greatness. I want you to see the time in which he lived. It's really something. Take your Bibles and just flip over to Luke chapter 3. It dates John the Baptist. It says, now in the 50th year, of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. We know that was about A.D. 29, 28. When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Aterina and Traconius, and Licinius was the tetrarch of Abilene, not Texas. In the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. That puts the date in which he lived. It tells who was running Rome, who was running Israel, who was running Judea, who the religious leaders were. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a more corrupt, rotten, evil, vicious group of people on this earth. Philippians. Herod and Pilate and Annas and Caiaphas, they were just phony baloney exporters, of people under the name of religion. Never heard of that happening, have you? (laughs) They'd had darkness for 400 years, and now all of a sudden, he walks out and brings the light of God. Boy. You see that he was a great man. You see his preparation for it. And you see his greatness is seen by his message. Not only the time in which he live, his background, his humility, look at the message that he brought. A powerful, powerful message. Turn, if you would, the book of Luke. Still in the third chapter. Verse three. And it came into all the district around Jordan, preaching. A baptism and repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Let me tell you something. This is unique. Jews were not baptized. If you are a Gentile and you became a Jew, you'd be baptized as a proselyte, but Jews were not baptized. The Essenes were Jews. It was a sect, but their baptism was called tarbolium. It was in blood for cleansing. And when John the Baptist says, repent, turn away from your sin. By the way, you know what repentance is? One somebody asked a little girl, what's repentance? He says, another little girl said, it's being sorry for your sin. Another little girl said, oh no, it's being sorry for your sin enough to quit. So that's repentance. (laughs) So John says, Repent. Be forgiven and be baptized. The Jews said, oh, no, 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 we don't have to be baptized. We're, we're inheritance. We come from Abraham, Father Abraham. Man, we've got all that covered. It's like people today who are living a godless life and say, oh, I joined the church when I was 12 years old and I was baptized, I'm all right, I'm all right. John the Baptist says, repent be baptized, and they came by the thousands out in the boondocks to hear him. I mean, Pharisees, Sadducees, politicians, religious people, people in government, all walks of life came out to hear him. I'm telling you, he spoke the truth, and we see his message, and he goes on and said he's a voice in the wilderness. And then he says, so he begins saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, Luke 3, chapter 7, you brood of vipers <laughs> who warned you to flee for the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. In other words, you have repented and turned away from sin. Let's see the result of your new life. You've turned away. John said, let me show me. Put up, shut up. And they say, we have Abraham our father, for I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up, oh, all kinds of children of Abraham. He said, indeed, the ax is already laid to the tree. Judgment is coming. And then verse 10, the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? (laughs) They wanted to change. They saw they were phony. They saw there were liars, they saw they were hypocrites, they saw their worship was not real. They said, what shall we do? We repent, we baptize, and then he tells me exactly what to do. By the way, when you pray, don't pray, Lord, forgive me of my many sins. Be specific, okay? Be specific. I used to pray like that. Lord, cover me for, I got so many sins. Just cover, all. oh, no, 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 no. He wants you to be very specific, and we see how specific here. These people said, oh, Lord, we want to change. What shall we do? And he just goes right down, the crowds were questioning. Then what shall we do? Verse 10, Luke 3. And he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics, that's your undershirt, is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. What's he say? Be generous. If you're known as a tightwad, close-fisted, That's not the way we are as Christians. We're to be open-handed. We're to be easy. Be generous. You've repented, be generous. And there are some tax collectors also came to be baptized and they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? Said to them, collect no more than what you've been ordered to do. See, in that day, you'd collect taxes and all you got over, you had to pay to the government, you could keep for yourself. So, the tax collectors were amazingly rich. And then he went on to say, some soldiers were there saying, well, what do we do? What shall we do? We're guilty, and he said, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Or he said, show me the fruit, the result of the new life that you want, the change that God has brought in your life. And John answered and said to them, as for me, I baptize you with water. I just dunk you. But he says, one is coming who is mightier than I. I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. See his humility. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What does that mean? It means John was external baptism, but Jesus would come, and when they receive him, and he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit inside of their life. And inside their life, there will be like a fire that will burn up all the ugliness and junk and immorality and mess that's in the middle of them. That's the difference. And then we've got this tremendous thing. So many others, he preached the gospel to people. Hold on, don't miss this. John the Baptist is the only Old Testament prophet who preached judgment, fire, and brimstone, and the law. He also was a New Testament preacher of forgiveness, a new life, and grace. The only one. Prophet the old, yet bridging the gap being the proclaimer of the grace of God in the new. You see, he puts the old and new together. Darkness, he brings light under the new contract, the new relationship that came, that all the world had been preparing for until this strategic moment in history. It is the good news. And look back and see the, what the good news really, really, really was. It, it's, it's a magnificent thing. Go back to the baptism. John baptized Jesus, verse 13, Matthew 3. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need Jesus to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Key verse, key verse, 15th verse. Jesus answered and said to John. Permit it at this time, for in this way it is sitting for us, John the Baptist and Jesus, to fulfill all righteousness. What is that saying? It's saying something tremendously important. Here you have John the Baptist, the bridge between the law and the gospel. Here we have Jesus being baptized. Why? He had no sin. He was baptizing so he would fulfill, he would identify with you and with me in our sin as a precursor for the gospel which was proclaimed by John as he saw Jesus later on and said, Behold, the Lamb of God." What does that mean? Behold, the Lamb that satisfies God, takes care of all the sacrifices that have been offered, and the Lamb of God is on the cross. Jesus, in baptism, identified with us, Jesus on the cross took all of our iniquity, I love that word, it sounds bad, it sounds ugly, it sounds like sin, took all of it out of you and me and put it on himself, didn't identify with us, he became sin for us, and that's the miracle and the grace of Calvary, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, and John baptized Jesus, and when he came up out of the water, the voice from heaven said, this is my boy, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And there was Jesus, God in flesh, and there was a dove who came like the Holy Spirit. See, it's one thing to be baptized by water, it's another thing to have your insides drenched by the Holy Spirit like fire that burns away. All of that's within you and within me. That's the gospel, that's the good news. Now, <laughs> did you read it? Nobody's greater than John, said Jesus. Anybody here think you're greater than John the Baptist, would you lift your hand? <laughs> I'm lifting my hand. Well, what kind of megalomaniac do we have up there in the pulpit? You see, I didn't read the rest of that verse. The rest of that verse says, No one who's ever lived is greater than John the Baptist, but it says in that verse 11 I read in the beginning, But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Somebody who gets into heaven through Jesus Christ, just barely, I mean, Say by far, they just barely are Christian. They are greater than John the Baptist. I was rushing to go somewhere this summer, and I was in Dallas, and I had to catch one of those buses, and I was late, and boy, I had to catch it. I'd missed the flight up there, and the door was closing, and I put my hand in the door, and I called the door, and I got in. They took me up, and they said, Three and a half minutes, we'd have closed the gate if you hadn't gotten here. I got there by the skin of my teeth, by the hair of my chinny chin chin. (laughs) Did you see what the scripture says? The lowest person, whomever that might be, who knows Jesus Christ, receives his grace, his forgiveness, his love, the exchange life, is greater than John the Baptist. That helps us understand a little bit about the love, the grace, the patience, the overwhelming care that He has for all of us. It's available to us. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Everybody here who knows Jesus, you're greater than John.